Hi, I'm Laura Flanders of The Laura Flanders Show. Watch every week on Free Speech TV, Link TV, YouTube, or if you're in New York, CUNY TV. Prefer to listen? Subscribe to the free podcast at lauraflanders.com. I end every week with a commentary. I call it the F word. Here's this week's. From Brooklyn to Brattleboro, I just drove four hours to go from co-op to co-op. In Brooklyn, it's the Park Slope Food Co-op, one of the nation's and the world's largest, a history-making experiment in pooling resources and worker hours to access high-quality food at affordable prices. Now the place has more worker hours than it can use and produces more revenue per square foot than the fancy grocery store Whole Foods. That's not my research. It's conducted by Forbes. Here in Vermont, the Putney Co-op is another bustling place where members work their shift purchase in bulk and enjoy low member prices, making decisions together. Even non-members can enjoy extraordinarily low prices on local blueberries, bulk teas, and just about everything and anything made out of maple syrup. Cooperatives, they say, are a thing. This May, I visited the Tubbs Lane Co-op in Rochdale, the founders of the modern worker cooperative movement. Their workers in textile mills and fields were pulled in and out of work during the early years of the Industrial Revolution, and in the 1840s got together and started their own business. Initially, as purchasers in a co-op, they bought from farmers they knew and sold to families in need. No credit, no debt. They were wise to the perils of the loan shark. They also made decisions together, and that came in handy. One member, one vote. By the time the Civil War in the U.S. broke out, the Rochdale pioneers were in a quandary. Like all of the textile producers in Lancashire, they depended on raw cotton from America's south. While most of the aristocracy was rooting for the slave states and attempting to break the blockade imposed by the North, Rochdale's pioneers in loud, fiery meetings decided at last that they shared more with the slaves than the slave owners, and they stood by the North. Instead of closing their mill and laying people off, for lack of cotton, they just reorganized and kept the place open for just a few shifts a week and all the workers employed. There's more to that story, too. More significantly, what happened after. Today, the cooperative stores that pepper most British shopping streets trace their origins back to Rochdale. And across the world, a billion people, one-sixth of the population, are either users or members of some sort of co-op. Today, the Labour Party, which stands an odds-on chance of forming the next national government in the UK, includes support for co-ops in its platform or manifesto. When I talked to Labour Party leader Jeremy Corbyn this spring, he said that if Labour were in office and somebody decided to asset-strip their business to make a profit, shut down and move out, they'd say, hang on, you can't do that. You've got to offer it to the workers that have run it first. Worker-owned co-ops are part of Labour's larger plan to put national investment into locally determined development through spending locally, owning locally, and making local decisions. Sound socialist? Strange? Foreign? Think again. Socialism like this is as here and now and close as your closest co-op. For more of my interview with Labour's leader Jeremy Corbyn and for more information about the movements that fueled his rise, watch this week's episode of The Laura Flanders Show or subscribe to the free audio podcast at lauraflanders.org or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and for your support. Make a contribution today to The Laura Flanders Show. And thanks.